0: A boxed result for Cinderella. It's number three.
1: Yeah, behind the Brana and the Disney.
0: Yeah, I mean, calling it the Brana, it's just the other Disney, you know?
1: No, oh, right? Yeah, no, I, I forgot. I forgot there was also a Disney one. Right? Yeah, there's one of the like Disney live action movies. God, he's he's made a lot of Disney stuff recently. Yeah, Ugh, but then he does stuff like Tenet, and you forgive him.
0: Uh, yeah, there's just no greater example than Sir Kenny Chuckles himself of like one for them, one for me. Like Artemis Fowl is so clearly someone who's asleep at the helm and yeah. he is doing that because doing that guarantees him that for the next, between making a Disney film that buys him two extra houses and <laughs> making a Poirot film and that's yeah. his dream job. And like, that would be my dream job.
1: Yeah, he's got Death on Manala coming out next
0: year. It is. I, have we talked about this on the podcast, but maybe my favourite sequel hook ever, Orient Express, a film that is very good, except for one pretty depth-rooted issue. Um, <laughs> I think I'm so clever today. Um, yeah. uh, uh, it ends with someone running up and going like, Poirot, Poirot, we have just got to report. There has been a death oh, yeah. on the Nile <laughs> It's like, yeah, no, that's that's how you do it. Like you end there are three ways to end a film. One yeah. is looking at the camera and maybe right. doing a little smile. The second is that um you halfway through the film go to a black screen and say finish the story at www.apollo 16.com or whatever film did that
1: That was like uh it was like the last exorcism or something yeah something oh, like yeah. That. yeah yeah
0: yeah um and of course there is having someone come in and say things that are clues to the to the title of the next film like classic example Woody Harrelson at the end of Venom inexplicably being like, there's going to be carnage. What are your favorite sequel? When, when Vin Diesel at the end of the first fast and furious, as I, I live my life a quarter mile at a time. And if someone stops that, they don't know how fast and furious I will be. It will be too much. I will be too fast and too I'm, furious.
1: I'm a big fan of uh, the post-credit scene of the David Harbour Hellboy where they are like all oh, the good guys go through a big action scene, shooting a bunch of guys in the lab, and then they find Abe Sapien. Yeah. and you're like, "Oh shit, it's Abe Sapien! Yeah, he's gonna, be, he's gonna, he's gonna rock the shit out of the sequel." Wow.
0: And then Hellboy is like, "Looks like this guy is out of shape, but soon we'll put him in shape, the shape of water." And then he, pops oh, up I, it I up like what
1: David the- Harbor said, oh, this is one of the stranger things I've ever seen. Uh, okay I have an alternate pitch on this maybe this
0: is just one right. they did on the day and he says and you know he meets Abe Sapien the best character in the Hellboy universe Universe. oh no there are fucking loads of them the comics are great even though everyone involved in making them is just uh, abysmal uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> as a human uh, uh, but anyway uh, David Harbour looks down at Abe Sapien and says wow and I thought I was familiar with water. The name's Harbor. I'm familiar <laughs> with my name. Hello. My, and the, the film slowly fades to black. Yeah. And then, and then you just hear Neil Marshall audibly saying, right, that, that's and then while like, while, you know, executive producer, Steve Mnuchin is on the screen. <laughs> You hear his footsteps out of the dubbing studio through a door, then onto a plane and then another plane. And then we hear like tropical noises. He's in Hawaii. Mm. Oh, oh but, wow.
2: But this he's got it. on holiday?
0: <laughs> now, now we're in the second <laughs> he's unit. He's taking a little of me time. <laughs> uh, but as we, and this is what we're hearing, you know, the second unit, the stunt players, some mm. in jokey names in there. Great time. We hear like, Uh, uh, A swarm of bees (laughs) attack him and sting him to death. And and then then it has Orson Welles saying, like, the moral is (laughs) don't work with David Harbour. Look at what it did to Neil Marshall. And we are yet to see the repercussions of his collaboration with Soderbergh. But Soderbergh is a very good control when it comes to cinematic influence.
1: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um- so did you know that uh, uh, that the star of uh, Hellboy twenty nineteen was uh, was arrested for letting uh, members of Al Qaeda live in his house? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: What? Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah.
1: No, no. yeah he, okay. So it turned out he was harboring terrorists. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. Okay, okay.
0: Okay. Oh, that was the joke. I thought the joke <laughs> you were doing was that there was an extra who was in it, and you were just going to make a real big argument that there was an you know, because there must be terrorists and bunches. No, of it was. Films.
1: Oh, well, look, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into that when, when, when we start talking about Cinderella.
0: Uh, hello, uh, uh, welcome to Shite and Sound, uh, which I presume you're listening to. We haven't really officially started on our end, but I presume I just started, you know, with one of the jokes from earlier. There was some pretty good <laughs> stuff in there. Uh, my name is Yutha Shite.
2: And I am uh
1: Themed sound Nick uh, Goulas, because uh, it's October now, so I'm doing a scary uh, yeah.
0: name. Uh, doing two, and, and this week we yeah. watched two of the scariest films <laughs> yeah, out there. Absolutely
1: horrifying.
0: Um, It is. Uh, I mean,
1: there, there is at least one very scary thing in both of these movies, so. Um, uh, well, no, uh, there's yeah, two, no, and Pather Charlie, there's two.
0: Yeah, we watched Pather Pan Charlie which uh, invented a new kind of film yeah, <laughs> and Cinderella 2021, the K cannon joint, um, which is promising young women for like 17 to 26 year old British comedy nerds. <laughs> you know, that's who I'm, that's who I think it's key market is.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I would have enjoyed uh, Cinderella twenty twenty one a lot more if at the end of it uh, should been uh, burnt on a pyre.
0: That that is very cruel. Um, oh, is the are, are these just some previews of the epic film podcast throwdown? <laughs> that that's gonna have when when me and Finn, Finn, a, a Cinderella hater a burn. Yeah. Uh, me, did, not,
1: did not like that movie at all.
0: And me, a stoker, one who stokes the cinder.
1: Yeah, and, and, and Midnight Toker as well, I believe.
0: Um, So let's do a short intro within this intro just to get the... Uh, hate, uh, bleh, bleh. It's our warm-up chat became our intro, bleh, so I'll just <clears throat> do proper one.
1: Hey, Finn, how are you going? Uh... Awesome, doing great, having a fantastic time.
0: So I thought we talked about this in the past that we wouldn't do too good films for- and like
1: yeah, and uh, we have uh, uh, we have uh, kept that promise. No, yet again, f- no, Perfect track absolutely,
0: for a Finn. I think it is racist of you to <laughs> think that Payther Panchali is bad <laughs> because that's the only inference I can take. No, you. No, I no, think
1: that Pat and Charlie is a quality piece of cinema. Cinderella 2021, on the other hand, I think is a criminal act by K Cannon.
0: Gasp! Um, I'm, I was holding like a a flip chart in my hand, and I clench it so hard it snaps. I and I go that, that.
1: I mean that 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 that's how that's how hot my takes are sometimes. Then I the, this movie with a 1.6 on Letterboxd. I did. I didn't enjoy. I.
0: I really worry about the permanent damage you're doing <laughs> to your reputation now by agreeing with that. I'm going to call them what they are fascists <laughs> who disagree with me on the subject of, of Cinderella 2021 feet dot Brown. Yeah.
1: there's a uh, uh, fascist like uh, David Sims of the blank check podcast. I
0: mean, I have nothing personally against Davidson, um, but professionally, I'm just furious that likes Tenet when that's our thing. <laughs> no one else yeah. likes it. We
1: have a comedy movie podcast that invented enjoying Tenet, the good film by Christopher Nolan. <laughs>
0: I'm gonna. I got a DVD drive in the mail, so I can start ripping things. <laughs> the first thing I am doing. No, I'm properly deinterlacing some Doctor Who rips, but the yeah. thing I'm doing 4K HDR tenant formatted for the iPad. It's gonna yeah. be. Uh, you don't know. I'm gonna live. I'm gonna have the best possible life.
1: I mean, yeah, putting it straight into iMovie. You're turning it you're turning reverse footage on and you're watching <laughs> Ted backwards the way it was meant to be seen.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. Like they do remember. It. And, mm. and, and, and that you remember the guy at the beginning who he fights in the beginning. Who's all like, yeah, it's weird and scrabbly. And then you see that fight again and you realize that what he was interpreting as aggression, it was a fight of two people trying to get away. Yeah. Different. Uh, and it is, and people being unable to level just chosen it. In curious nature. Hmm. That's right. If you're listening to this and you don't like tenet, I will fight you. I've got nothing. I've got nothing but hatred. (laughs) 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 So I will strip to the waist. You can be,
1: wear whatever you want. And you're going to throw them off a boat like Kenneth Rana. And you're going to see their neck go real weird when it hits a railing. Yeah. So
0: all I need... I'm launching a Kickstarter campaign to hire Jeff Bezos's yacht. He's going to give me a discount for how much I'm about to hard to shell for his god-awful Cinderella film. <laughs> <laughs> and then we can get to it. We can get to brand eyeing each other. And if you hate tenants so much that you don't want to be involved in a death match <laughs> patterned after it, I, I do not wish to hear from you. So what I'm saying Fen is that it's crazy of you well, not to like I, I think it all
1: started when I watched uh, good musicals and that yeah. uh, ruined bad musicals like Cinderella
0: for me.
1: 2021 yeah No no like no, uh, like explicitly not that one
0: I'm sorry, patient Nicholas, you are currently showing signs of extreme <laughs> please, please, psychosis it's pa- pa- patient Nick Goulas <laughs>
2: because it's still October
0: <laughs> yes that's right patient Nick Goulis of this Saint Halloween's mental institution <laughs> please um can you could you maybe see your way to not saying things that are against the fabric of reality because it's uh, getting very hard to to treat you if you keep insisting on Fictional statements like that. No, I've no been uh, in reality.
1: I've been re-watching the 1967 Patrick McGowan show, The Prisoner, recently, and so uh, I I currently feel very strongly about uh, not compromising my beliefs in, in the face of outside pressure and torturers.
0: The thing about Number Six McGowan's okay. character in The Prisoner, he loses. Mm. He never escapes.
1: Well, when we get to the final episode...
2: If, no, that final...
0: You know, I the only valid interpretation of that final episode...
2: Is that everyone's insane.
0: <laughs> no, is that he's still trapped there.
2: I mean,
1: sure, I, I've not, not gone to the final episode of my rewatch yet, but one of the things that I do love about the prisoner is is how much everything is stacked against him, and how, like, in, in the second episode, it seems like he's escaped, and then instantly it's like, oh, nah, nah, you, you've... Yeah. Yeah, you have not escaped. It's we're fucking with you. Every every single person in the world is against you. Yeah. You you have no you have no support.
0: And that's the side you're picking.
1: Yeah. I've been I've been like uh, alternating episodes of the prisoner and columbo. So I'm feeling real good uh, this past week or so. Just having, a, having a great time.
0: Should be back on Finn. Oh uh, yeah, no, I'll I'll
1: mm. get back to that eventually. No, eventually. Once not I get, through, uh, tick, once tick, I get through the next seventy episodes of of uh, of Columbo. How? Um, but each of
0: those is like nine hours long, right?
1: Uh, it's it's like an hour fifteen.
0: Yeah, it's nine hours long. <laughs> same thing. They feel the same. Like once you're over an hour, an hour to half a day. Same amount of time, really, Mm -hmm. as my experience recently.
1: Hello and welcome to Shite and Sound, the podcast where two comedians watch one of the masterpieces of world cinema and then follow it up with a critically reviled film that is similar in some way. Maybe they share themes, plot, actors or director... We want to see if counterpointing these two films can bring out some new information or insights. On this episode, we watched number 43 on the Sight and Sound list Peter Panchali, Satyajit Ray's foundational text of neorealist and parallel cinema. Our second film this week is Cinderella 2021, the worst musical ever to feature James Corden as a disgusting little CGI freak.
0: everyone I've just realized we didn't mention in the intro that we are going out of order you will have heard in Finn's wee bit there that we are now at number what Finn
1: uh 43
0: we're number 43 on the list we have skipped uh one week which is uh, a song well, by we, we're naked ladies which uh, is
1: some like which is some like it hot and yes. the hot chick uh because we're going to have a we're going to have a very good guest for that episode. Yeah, uh, but because Auckland is still currently in level three lockdown, uh, and uh, this guest has uh, bad internet, we want to wait until we can uh, watch and record with him in person. Uh, so we're we're, we're going to do uh, two episodes out of order. I mean, uh, go back to some like hot. Uh, hopefully,
0: Yep. There you go. Couldn't couldn't have said it any better. Um, now I do. Uh, let's talk about Panther Pan Charlie. Yeah. Uh, because I had not seen it. I uh, thought neither. I had.
1: It seems like something that you would have seen.
0: All of my memories are basically the, po- like maybe I didn't really pay attention because it's basically, mm. my memories are like the poster and video cover. right? And, and the yeah. film is very, I remember a very Apu, a very Apu centric film, but at which it is not, it is, no. this is an ensemble film. Um, that that kind of retroactively becomes a part of the Apu trilogy. Yeah. Um, so I f- kind of feel like I've seen it for the first time, even though that mm-hmm. might not be true. Um, and it was your first time too?
1: Yeah. This is my first time seeing Pay for Panchali. It's my first time seeing any of Satyajit Ray's films, uh, who, who's like a guy I've been meaning to get around to for quite a long time. And there have been films of his up on like movie, but I've always just been like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll get around to this Bengali drama someday. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, like I, it,
0: I, I felt the same in many ways. My experience of watching this film was really interesting and, and uh, I like it very much. Mm. But I think a thing, oh, I just want to be careful because I'm about to say some things that might end up seeming orientalist, but that is not my intention. Because the the experience overall of watching this film, and we will go through it in detail for me, is that like yeah, I have very little knowledge of 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 Indian and specifically Bengali cinema, especially um parallel cinema, which is the movement that Pather Panchali kind of kicked off, kind of codified. Um, I'm a bit more familiar with Bollywood, but like. Mm. Mm, Slightly more than your average white person, but like only very slightly more. Right. Um, But with both of those things in mind, so I didn't really, I don't have the set of cultural real references for this film that its audience would. And yet watching it throughout, you're just like, well, yeah, this is obviously, I I understand this genre. (laughs) I understand these films because this is, this is so good. I see the shape of it. It is like, it's like a statue of a film and not, not like it, it feels kind of perfect and, and, and serene in a way that you're immediately like, oh, this is a major film. Yeah. Like
2: this is,
1: it it feels a lot like other early neorealist films. There's like a lot of bicycle thieves in it, but like it also feels like so culturally specific. And you can see why it was received as like, this, like call for expanding the types of stories that are covered in films and like expanding the types of people who like get the opportunities to, to make films.
0: Yeah. And I'm so glad you feel the same way. And it is, and it is just that thing of seeing something like the very specific feeling of being like, I don't know. Like, I I feel the same way about the Dardenne brothers in Belgian cinema where it is like that work is so complete and compelling. Like Paitha I'm like, I kind of feel like even without context, I can know this is a very good one. Like yeah. that this this feels, and not in a way that is like, well, it conforms to European ideas of neorealism. It's not mm-hmm. like it is about like its beauty is in its specificity. And even though I am outside that specificity by a wide way, it does such a good job such a fucking good job that you get it. It's what like, it's really, and it's also just really good. This is not like a a film from the fifties where you have to be like, it's a film from the fifties. Like it, it looks great. All the performances are good. It goes along at speed. It is, um, it lives up to the hype. It Uh, it, it it, feels miraculous.
1: The way it's shot, which is like mostly outdoors during the day in direct sunlight, really emphasizes something that I almost never see in, in in black and white films. With black and white films, most of the time the thing that is emphasized is the black, is the shadows. Yeah. But in Paper Pan Charlie, it, it is it is the white that is like the dominant color in, in most of the frames because you have this like very intense sunlight. It's reflecting off the ground. It's reflecting off leaves. It's reflecting off clothing. It's reflecting off people's faces. And the, the like the, the the like dominant color of almost every scene is this like is this like incredibly bright high contrast white. And uh, I I'm I'm not sure I've ever seen another black and white film which makes white the the like dominant colour in the same way. And it was just like a totally different way of of, of, of like of shooting a film and like and, and, and like thinking about how about like how you liked films. Well, which and- was I think really, really cool.
0: Yeah. 100 percent uh sabrata mitra who was the cinematographer um has this really dense and delightful understanding what you need to do to make the the grayscale of black and white film like a tangible palette like the way he plays with with like there is depth to every image black and white flattens so many images, but in this, you're always looking through. It's a lively uh, uh, and and populous frame. Mm. Um, And it is, it really feels like, like it's in color with the color turned down. But that is me trying to make a point of like the, the, like, my my big take on this film is, is that because yeah, it took three years to make. uh, uh right. it, was, it was it was Ray's first film. He's adapting the first half of a novel, The World of a Pooh, um, which would then go on. The second half would be adapted as the next film, and then they they made a third film called The World of a Pooh, but not adapting The World of a Pooh, adapting okay. another book and um but this he made over three years uh oh a lot on location though interior scenes were shot in a studio but there are not many interior scenes uh as you said it's like a film of of light uh in uh, outsideness um but yeah shot for three years on sixteen male film for about a hundred thousand New Zealand dollars today and
1: Oh, so that, 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 that's like it's it's a hundred thousand dollars adjusted.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh wow. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, they they. It's not it's not a micro budget film, and mm. they had a budget. They had uh, Ray's parents were influential, and like the support that came from the the Bengali government came through that, and is possibly right. included in that budget. Um, but it is very much. Uh, uh, a guy taking a big swing and a bunch yeah. of people taking a swing with him. And my big take at the end of all of that is that this film, if you gave him more money um, and, and, and more time and could do the whole thing on studios, um, and obviously, you know, people would be better paid and they'd be better fed and, yeah. you know, uh, it would be nicer to make. Uh, and that is a, a strongly positive thing, but I don't think a frame of the film would actually change. There's no, no. Uh, uh, there's no frame in this film or sound or beat or moment, um, or, or gesture from an actor that doesn't feel like 100% the film, as opposed to the restraints of the film. Yeah. And that's yeah. because he's done such a good job, uh, uh adapting this book uh, this first half of this book into something that, um, and, and uh, into something, into a screenplay that can be only be told this way with these people, you know, like he has modeled so perfectly out how to do this at this budget level, that it becomes the only way to do it. Like it's purpose. It's like he 3d built the film around circumstance. Um, and I just think it's, Fuck it, it's just insanely good. <laughs> yeah. Like, it is, like, like it, it, it won awards at Khan.
1: It, like, launched the modern Bengali film industry. Yeah. I was looking it up last night. There have been films made in Bengal since the Sand era. There was a feature film made in Bengal in, in 1919. Yeah. But it'd always been like, oh, there's, like, a couple of films a year, maybe. I mean, this is the film that, that like, makes people like pay attention to Films from Bengal it, it makes other people in the region be like I, uh, I can make films as well. It it establishes actors who would go on to be in other Bengali films, and um, then, and, all and, and, and it establishes
0: at the time.
1: Yeah, and it establishes Ray as like a major filmmaker to be taken very very seriously.
0: And, and the other thing it spearheaded and kind of formalized is what is called the parallel cinema. Which which is a movement across India to make films that aren't Bollywood films, yeah, because they are to to give just an incredible pricey because uh, uh, people may just not know that much about Bollywood because like you have your idea of a Bollywood film, right? Yeah, it's full of songs and dancing and and scale and romance, and that stereotype is a bit reductive but the bit that's correct is that almost all films made through the Bollywood system are like that so yeah. it is like even the Bollywood adaptation of Reservoir Dogs adds songs and a love interest even right. that is true of the Bollywood adaptation of Fight Club you yeah. know like it is it is you know how it feels like everything is Disney um, yeah, imagine yeah. if Disney didn't even have like fucking touchstone to put out non super <laughs> you know what I mean that right, even yeah. Even like fucking even imagine if Cinderella 2021 a good film that we're going to talk about in a bit um, which is such a clear product of Disneyfication even if it's not Disney no had had to have like the prince has to be the the steel prince a superhero it just has to be in there right like that yeah. is that is how all the elements of Bollywood and so yeah that this there had been dramatic or realist films made in India in the past, but it is with a um, with Panther Panchali and Ray that it becomes like a thing that still goes today. And and yeah. it, it seems from from a distance like there's so much. You know, India is a, a, a country of a billion more people, and like that that area is billions of people. Yeah, um, it's
1: the like largest film producing country, and. Then, then- like it produces more films than like any other country.
0: Oh yeah, and like Pakistan produces for, like yeah, uh, 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 Sri Lanka. You know, uh, and obviously, talking about nationhood and nationhood in in relation to that area is complicated because it yes. is like. Pay the is a Bengali film as opposed to an Indian film, even though yeah. it is. It you know in the way yeah. that a legally brighter summer day is a Chinese film, but it's a Taiwanese anyway. Um, uh, uh and so and doing something and, and with, with, with Bollywood being such a monolith, um, mounting an alternative to it would have been really dangerous. And, and that he, this film is such a risk. It relies on untrained child actors. And that he not only invented a new kind of cinema and started Revolution, but also that the film is like this film has posterity on its side already, and it also is incredible. Like it seems mm. just insane to me. So, but anyway, let's let's talk our way through the film. Right. So we we start with um where am i oh i closed plot summary that's why so it is it's the 1910s right in 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 rural bengal Um, sure
1: but it's 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 also never fully clear on on the on the time period for like at least the first half of the movie there is no indication that, that this is taking place in the in the twentieth century,
0: but it could also be happening. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely. Yeah. There are a couple of telephone poles. There are a couple of things that if you look for them.
1: Oh yeah, no, like that moment when they first see the telephone poles. It's kind of like shocking. The entire like first half of the movie, all these people, and, and especially these children, just exist in 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 in, in these like kind of small ramshackle houses. Or, or like, or like out in the woods, playing like it it is this incredibly rural, poverty-stricken life. And then they they, they are like running through the woods one day. They like go through a field and they come across this giant telephone pole with wires stretching out in every direction. And then I mean, a steam train passes by, and within like the space of a minute, it's like, oh shit! Like this world is changing. Like, if everything feels different now,
0: and it also feels it. um, I'm. I'm so with you on all of that. And the other thing it does at least for me is make the film feel in a way unpretentiously timeless. Mm, yes. Um uh, in that yeah obviously that they are in an uh, 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 they they're in desperate poverty but they could be in desperate poverty 200 years ago or th- this could be a film if you told me they shot this this year in black and white cuz poverty never changes. Yeah. Um uh, uh, and that is i think part of that timelessness that that sense of it occurring in now um comes from how much of a home run it is in terms of uh identifying neorealism as a incredible approach to take on this kind of story and then executing it because I think this is one of the best neorealist films that's slightly heightened, but still like granular and messy and natural style. Mm. It really, I spent a lot of this time just watching people and not, and especially the kids because they're the leads of the film, if the film has leads. But like, I was never like, I'm looking at a child actor. I was just people. And that is because, he was like, this is how you make a realist film. Like he knows it's, it's crazy to me. So yeah, but we are,
1: uh, I just looked up who, who did the soundtrack for this. Do you know who did the soundtrack? It's
0: Ravi Shankar. Yeah. 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 yeah, Yeah. It was his breakout. Yeah. 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 Holy shit. And like, what a score. There is, there is this entirely percussion bit that will blow your mind.
1: Yeah, it's a beautiful score of Indian and Bengali classical music. And then there's one part after the halfway mark of the film where the two main children are like walking through a village and the, and they come across a like brass band who mm. are playing It's a Long, Long Way to Tipperary. Yeah. And like that, 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 that's another moment where everything se- seems to like shift around that moment. It's just like, oh, this, like this, this world, this way of life is is like so. Fucked. I mean like that song is literally a song about like English soldiers marching to war and to conquest. And yeah, to to, to to like have that song being played by, by, by this by this brass band in like nineteen tens rural Bengal is gentle but like incredibly threatening as well.
0: Yeah, it is uh uh the the way Ray understands that plot changes need to follow tone and theme changes, which is like, yeah, as you say, the film kind of bends around that moment. Cause I believe it is late on their way back that they find the dead old woman after that. Yes. Yeah. And so it is like how, like if you broke down this film onto, you know, index cards and analyzed everything, I think it would be incredibly tight. Like with how plot thing and, and uh, how the the synthesis of everything, if you know what I mean, the plot and the theme and mm-hmm. the music and the performances and and like scene length, all lining up to be the best versions they can be. Um. Oh, we and, and come on, I had a thought for the end of that. Doesn't matter. Um, but the these two kids who are our leads, uh, um, uh, well, there's Durga. Um uh, who is uh, the elder sister played by Umata, yeah. does Gupta as uh, her older self when she's a teenager, and we also see her played by Runki Banerji as a um as a child, like yeah. six, seven, eight, right? And when we first meet her and her parents, who are uh, Subjata and Hariha, who are um they're all the Roys uh, we meet them just before Apu has been born or like, well, Apu is, is, is born off screen. Yeah. Um, and, and we get, it's mainly, uh, 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 the father, the husband, Harry, ha is, he's a priest, but he wants to be a playwright, but work is bad on either front. Um, and they're also talking about how they were, their fat, his, I, I,
1: I, I, as, as a playwright uh, currently living in Squalor, uh, yeah. how, how accurately did this film reflect your experience?
0: I don't consider my life Squalor. <laughs> um, and I would be, as I appreciate the joke, it's well structured, but even deigning to accept for a moment that there is a comparison between my life and the in the films, the characters in this film, would be a real like hazard do not approach situation.
1: Right, yep, yep. Good but job, like, you part of a test.
0: And no no no. So that's why I'm gonna do it. I love living <laughs> on the edge. Yeah, this is exactly what it is yeah. like being a playwright in New Zealand. Um I am neglecting my family. Um I'm, I'm constantly dragged away for meager work for people who don't care. No one really supports me. Um, my uh, I'm, partner I'm, I'm kind of is being... clearly more skilled uh, on on every level, and I um, mainly am interested in demonstrating my toys to my wife.
1: I'm kind of annoyed with such it Ray that, that he left out the part where, where the playwright gets uh, uh, gets his funding grant uh, dunked on by, by the NZ Taxpayers Union.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, those guys. <laughs> what are they? The they complained that Duncan Sarkis has been funded to write a new novel, which is like being annoyed that the all blacks have been funded to play more rugby. (laughs) Like it is like, you understand. Have you read his previous stray thoughts and nosebleeds? It's It's a generational short story collection. Two little boys. Oh, they changed the title because it's named after old what's his name song. Um, old, terrible man. Anyway, check it out. Duncan Saki's nice man. Good writing. Check it out. He's the sponsor of this week's podcast. So, uh, uh a lot of this early section is, is there's a long argument with, uh, Sabaja the wife, uh, um, is looking after her husband's elderly cousin, India, who is this, incredible old woman.
1: She is the first terrifying thing in in, in this movie.
0: Uh, I don't, I don't think she's terrifying. I think she's otherworldly.
1: I mean, yeah, no, she, she she has like one of the most like amazing faces I've ever seen in a movie, but she also kind of looks like Jim Carrey in the mask.
0: To me, she looks like, um, and and I'm talking about like the vibe as Mm. opposed to the literal aesthetic. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not equating Bengali and Japanese people. I'm saying it has the vibe of like powerful old women in Miyazaki. You know, yeah. like the woman who runs the Spirited Away bathhouse.
2: Yeah, yeah. She, like she, she, that, she's that that she's got to be to like, someone who's she, like she, she, a she's,
0: thousand years old, and all the yeah. the the folds in their face contain wisdom.
1: She's got this like very angular chin that juts out, deep sunken yeah. eyes. A face made entirely of leather. Missing yeah, it, almost all it's her incredible.
0: teeth. Congratulations yeah. to this to this woman. And um she's having an argument with Sabajaya uh, with Sabajaya. Um uh, uh about how like you keep stealing the food <laughs> and it is it is it is both kind of charmingly soap opera y and and lower stakes. Um there's the sense of kitchen sink naturalism to it like the idea that these could be you know they could be arguing in a in a ken loach film yeah but because this situation is so desperate and they're arguing over you know who who had the last of their meager food takes it to a new place
2: hmm. uh, yeah you know,
1: and, and in this scene it is established that uh uh, uh, it, it is established that the, that, the, uh, that the daughter of the family, uh, Durga, uh, uh, l- likes to uh, take food from the orchard of, of a, of a neighbouring family. Yeah, to, uh, w- to, w- to give it to the
0: yeah, to, elderly to, cousin. to, to yeah. give it to her aunt.
1: Yeah. And yet this orchard used to belong to the Roy family. Yeah. But then when the brother of Hariha, the, the father, when his brother died, another local family claimed Oh, your brother died owing us a bunch of money. So uh if you give us your orchard, uh then we'll 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 consider the debt repaid. It's it's hinted at, although never confirmed, that uh this was kind of just a ruse to to take some of their land from them. Yeah,
0: it, it is it's what shoved them into the state they are in.
1: Yeah, and, and so now Yeah, and so now Durga Takes like a, a occasional pieces of fruit from 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 this orchard, which used to be sort of her, her family's like property and legacy. Fifteen minutes of Doctor Who talk later. You know, I, I'm very excited for the string to continue and for Barbara Broccoli to uh, just, just decide to bring back Sean Connery. Oh man, that
0: would be. I could do with another Brosnan Bond
1: though. Yeah. Oh, and we've bro, already talked I,
0: about the much better parallel timeline where it's still Sam Neill for 40 <laughs> years.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think like now, now now, would be the perfect time for like an old man Timothy Dalton Bond. I think that could, be, that could be really good.
0: Morgan Freeman. No. <laughs> no. Danny Glover. Better. Idris Elba I mean, for 30 like, but, years.
1: Like if you're going to go Danny Glover, you might as well just go Keith David.
0: No, I, scrap it. <laughs> Donald Glover. <laughs> <laughs> no, Riz Ahmed, obviously, but anyway. Yeah. yeah, no, I know. You don't care.
1: I just think it should be a white guy.
0: Go on. <laughs> Who? Uh, uh, uh,
2: white
1: actors, open brackets, just the good... Ones, please. <laughs> Close brackets. Uh, Adam Driver is the first guy who comes up. If you search for white actors, open brackets, just for good ones, please.
0: I mean, it's a tape.
1: Yeah. Uh, the people who come up are Adam Driver, Clint Eastwood, Michael Caine. Yeah. Uh, some guy called Mike White, who was apparently on Survivor. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry. No, go back. Mike White. Mike White, who was apparently on Survivor. The guy. Uh,
0: uh, yeah, yeah. Who was he also. Click on him. Is he the guy who also wrote um, Orange County? Uh, Jack, the Jack Black film?
1: I'll check. Okay, yeah. He's a. Yeah, he's maker. not
0: an actor. No. Like a, a okay, writer and okay. director. He, he, the White he, Lotus or Black, he, whatever he, it's
1: called. Uh, he has uh, five acting credits, all episodes of TV shows.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: he, he was on one episode of Freaks and Geeks, one episode of Undeclared, one episode of Pushing Daisies, and 15 episodes of something called Enlightened.
0: Oh, yeah, which is a show he um, wrote and ran. In his, what He's just not – what a weird person to be on there. Yeah.
1: list. Uh, next – um, uh, uh, after my white is Charlotte Rampling
0: Charlotte Rampling is Bond it's a great Vin yeah.
1: uh, then, uh, uh, then there is a link Merin Mirren, <laughs>
0: Mirren. Yeah. Uh, done tangent uh, then, over what happens next
1: oh, oh no okay uh, next on the list is uh, Christopher Lee as Fu Manchu <laughs> <laughs> I uh, yeah, could, could, uh, could, could not let a bit end without mentioning that that was the next film that comes up when you search white actors, open brackets, only for good ones, please. That is Barbara Broccoli.
0: <laughs> it's a yeah, pitch of we, a we cast bond. a non-white bond
2: <laughs> It
0: is deceased actor, Christopher Lee, reanimated by Jeffrey Coombs.
1: He's reprising his like almost 60-year-old racist character of
2: Fu Manchu.
0: <laughs> is that more uh, or less racist than very racist film You Only Live Twice? We can we'll we'll only <laughs> We'll see when we get to an inevitable James Bond podcast, uh, My Word <laughs> is my bond. <laughs> So what happens next in Paitha Charlie? We've met them as a young family. How um, do fortunes find them uh, after that seven, eight-year time skip?
1: Time hasn't been great to this family. The father had all these dreams about writing plays and educating his son and making lots of money. It's, it's all kind of come to nothing. He, he still like finds occasional work as, as, as a menial labourer and like even more occasional work as a priest, which is his, like, which is his profession. Uh but, but like no 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 one cares about his plays. No one cares about the stories he's writing. He's not renowned as a scholar like he wanted to be. His wife Sabah Jaya is uh still just as like uh, beaten down as ever. Yeah, uh she, still she,
0: arguing she, with the, the elderly aunt. Yeah. Um yeah, who, who who is
1: like e was like uh, who, who's, like, even older and, and, and like, more infirm now. But now and just pure trickster spirit, just like yeah. this. Like like the mask. <laughs>
0: yeah, but just going around and, like, being super charming and cackling and having great fun with the kids. Yeah, it just, is. like,
1: going into Subogaya's kitchen and stealing a few chilies and being tried to pretend that she hasn't stolen any chilies.
0: At this point, the neighbor's wife, I believe, um, accuses the daughter, uh, whose name I don't remember. One
1: second. The daughter is called Durga.
0: Durga, yeah. Um, yeah. And at this point, the neighbor's uh, wife, the neighbors that stole the orchard, um, accuses Durga of stealing uh, some uh, jewelry. Which, yeah, because
1: uh, uh, Durga and Apu, they go to this neighbor's house one day to, yeah. to, to play with their kids. And they go there because uh, there's a man whose job is to like, walk through a forest and selling sweets. Mm. And he he has, like, a fried cream and, like, lentil balls and stuff and whatever. Uh, he has a bunch of stuff that, that, that kids like to buy. When he stops by uh, Durga and Apu's house, uh, they don't have any money to to buy sweets, but they know he's going to walk to the neighbor's house next, and they know their neighbors have money. So they're like, oh, we'll, we'll go there and we'll, like, we'll, we'll, like, scam some sweets off the neighbors. Yeah. And while they're playing at the neighbor's house, Durga sees uh, one of the kids there uh, making a bead necklace, which her, her her father had like bought her a bunch of beads for. Mm. And Durga takes a lot of interest in it, but the other girl's like, very suspicious of her because she's been told by her mother for years and years and years, like, that Durga, you know, nothing but a thief.
0: And so when it goes missing, yeah, the neighbour uh, uh, confronts Durga mm. uh, and, and the mother, and Apu, is also there, um... For for uh, of stealing and is like this is your fault to the mum you're mm. you're letting this happen you're raising you know crazed feral kids um and, and in this moment you kind of see that the the path the film is set on is, is basically in everything being stacked against this family unit the husband has to go away to work the mum has so much on her plate she is working herself she's looking after these two kids in an environment that's actively hostile to them. And it is like, it kind of sets in progress the clear realization where you're just like, Oh, this is just going to get worse and worse. And like the rest of the plot is basically the, the world being so mean to these people and and eventually overloading the mum so much that she has to start neglecting the kids with tragic consequences that the husband has to miss because he's working for nothing. And it it is like, you know, it kind of in that moment. Yeah. But then seeing it play out and then playing out in such a way that feels so iconic and big and like, like a sculpture complete, this incredible synthesis of all actions makes it sound so much less schematic than that. It's not about being sitting there and being like, I get it. Uh, it it's like a gear it's like the plot is not surprising it is inevitable yeah. like a prediction or an omen like you hope you know it will end badly but you hope it will end well and like a lot of that for me as a reading sits in how human and real all of these performances are and like yeah as much as the aunt is a a a a a, a cartoon drawing of an old woman creaking around like she's got literally got a shell <laughs> and, and like muttering like everyone else just feels like people in these moments just trying their hardest yeah and like obviously uh the person we kind of see that the most from is uh yeah karuna Banerjee is is the mother
1: so uh, uh the the father played by kandu Banerjee was an established uh bengali film actor. Then the actress who played Savajaya, who was called Karuna Banerjee, was like a local amateur actress and was friends with, uh, was friends with, uh, with Satyajit Ray's wife. And then Sabia Banerjee, who, who plays Apu, was just a boy who was like spotted by Satyajit Ray's wife on, on, on the street. And yeah, so they're all called Banerjee, but they are not related to each other. I mean, yeah. So the, the the like last half of the film is sort of built around the absence of a father. Uh, he 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 has to leave town for for uh, he has to leave town for work. Uh, there, there is a uh, there is a man in another town who has offered him uh, some some work as a priest, and so he's going to do that. He's going to travel around and try and find a jo- uh, try and find a job and and make money and then come back to his family. He ends up being gone for about five months, and while he's gone. Everything just sort of goes wrong for his family.
0: Yeah, it's monsoon season, so the rains mm. start up. Yeah, um, uh, Their house starts leaking. They, yeah.
1: yeah, and so be like major moments uh, when Apu and Durga one day the family's uh, cow has escaped, and Jaya tells Durga to go and look for the cow. When she's doing that she starts like teasing Apu and making faces at at, at him, and so he he starts chasing her. And they they like run off together into the forest. This is when they go and see the train, and this is when they see the telephone pole and the yeah. train, and there are these like first incursions of modernity and colonialism in, in, into into their village. And uh, so the on the way back from seeing the train is when they find uh, is, is when they find their aunt's body in, in, in the wood. Uh,
0: yeah, and so she can't, which is of course like it's an incredibly haunting image. Yeah. She she, um,
1: she she just like left, left left the house like a few days previously and walked off in yeah, the
0: she woods likes to, to run to, like, away. Die. She likes yeah. to have uh, throw tantrums and and yeah. run away. Um, it, it's just uh, uh, what a beautifully created character. Um, but this, yeah, them finding her is one of these things, and I was like, the feeling I had while watching it, uh, uh this whole sequence was like I oh it was trying to be like this is obviously like it felt iconic and not in like a uh something exotic. How iconic it is like no no I understand how there are thousands of films that saw this and about shadows of like that that sequence Finding the Dead Aunt is so Oh it's just very moving. And very upsetting. Uh, and yeah, now the mum is even more overloaded. Yeah. Because
1: so the like other major event during this period is the two of them leave, leave the house another time. I'm pretty sure this is when they see the brass band. And uh, on, on the way home, uh, uh, they are caught in the rain. Yeah. It, like, it, it is a it is a massive downpour. They, they, they can't get home, so they take shelter under a tree. Uh, yeah, and, the
0: tree that she steal she stole fruit from. And uh,
1: yeah, and and, uh, uh, and and when they finally get home, Durga has caught a cold from being out of the rain, yeah. and uh, the family can't afford medicine, and her cold gets worse, and uh, uh, then the husband
0: get- comes home from five months away with all the wonderful presents. He's yep, bought, and, and he's showing off these toys. Like, look, I got this for Asari, for you. Look at well, this. boy. Well,
1: he comes home to find that the house and the wall surrounding it have uh, basically been uh, knocked down by by the winds and by falling trees. Yeah, the dirt yard is now just a pool of mud, and the, the like last remaining vestiges of structural integrity in their in their like in in, in their house are now just gone. But he he goes up and he finds Jaya and he starts telling her I'm home now everything's great I made a lot of money my like my fortunes really took a turn yeah. for the
0: better and, well he's trying so hard yeah this is when he's showing off everything like I yeah. was saying and he's trying so hard to like be like I'm so, like he is apologising he's trying to lighten her spirits and and she tells him that last night.
1: She doesn't even tell him. He says, "I oh, I bought this new sari for Durga," and he and he hands it to Savajaya, and she holds it and breaks down crying. Yeah. And then he uh, he stands up and he looks and he sees the doorway into in, uh, he sees the doorway into Durga's room. And he sees her empty bed and then realizes that 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 she has died.
0: Yeah, I th- I think she tells him, but it doesn't matter. Um, what 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 matters is that at this this is such a dangerous scene for a film like this. And that it is the first moment of big emotion uh, in the film that is not anger. You know, it is the first big sad and only big, you know, like the sadness haunts the film, but when you're working so realistically, it is so easy moments like this, parents mourning the loss of a child. Like there's a reason that dead baby is a cliche in <laughs> New Zealand theatre. Yeah. Um, and because it can be so easily overwrought. So the fact that this scene of these two parents reacting hysterically, like as you would, your child has died, just screaming yeah. and holding each other and crying, um, it's like it just feels real. It feels like how these people would respond, and you feel the grief. It's it's. Um, a a tremem, tremendous moment of art, like holy, and he did that, and like it looks like the kind of thing you spend a whole day in a studio. Like these actors aren't going back to their back to a nice, you know, they don't have time to run these lines a hundred times. Yeah. They don't have somewhere warm to sit They're there. There well, I mean, in this moment,
1: to be fair, they had three years to run these lines. And, but you know what
0: I'm saying, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. You're right. It was uh, the reason that lasted three years is because they had a full, uh, a German, you know, two year long rehearsal period.
1: Yeah, just it, not, there's just n- nothing but the Meisner technique the whole time.
0: Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's incredibly sad. Mm. Um, yeah. like obviously, this film is influential within Indian and Bengali cinema and within the parallel cinema movement, which again is a separate thing. Um, I just want to be so clear that I know the limits of my knowledge, you know, like, yeah. yeah. um, it, And it is like, oh, I, I don't know. I was just going to repeat an old thought. So I'll just, but yeah, it is on. Oh no, I, I kept trying to think of like, obviously this has uh, influenced a lot of films I haven't seen but I can tell it like, you know, but I'm like, I am, I'm interested that I haven't seen. I don't think I can think of many like Western films because this film seems so ripe to just, you know, not remake, but be heavily influenced by. And obviously like there are things in it that fed back into near realism as a wider body. But like, you'd think that Slumdog Millionaire would riff on this more. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and to be clear, that is me praising Panther by dissing, um, uh, Slumdog Millionaire. Um, and, and so it feels like this scene and the success of the whole film in general as an outsider feels like this just, incredible mind this unmined valley of great dramatic ideas inches that it's kind of insulting that in the 70 years since this film came out i mean 65 yeah. um it hasn't been you know we haven't seen soderbergh try and do a pay pan charlie um or or you know um and yeah that makes me sad but it also makes it more special when you see it.
1: I mean, uh, Logan uh, L- 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 Lucky is kind of like Pay for Charlie. It's about four people.
0: Um, Okay, yeah, you got me. You're, yeah. Uh, in fact, you're right.
1: And it, well, like
0: this film's biggest influence on mainstream culture being the name who in The Simpsons. <laughs> yes, yeah. It is. is a incredible condemnation of Western culture. So then the, the the family now three, the parents and Apu leave town uh, and and the neighbor as they're going, brings them some food.
1: Kind of (laughs) brings them like a basket of mangoes.
0: Yeah. From their own trees. Um, and they offer to pay for them, but she's like, no. So yeah, it's sound.
2: It yeah, is
1: like, uh, absolutely.
0: it is, it is like old, like I, I, I feel like with this confluence of films we've had, I have devalued this, but I want to emphasize like, like possession is like a top five film. Paitha Panchali is like a top 10, top 20 film. Mm. Like it is. And and again, the thing to stress, which we've both had on is also like this film is grim, but it's, it's good fun. It feels like mainstream Mitsuguchi in a way. Yeah. Oh, like it's, it's not a surprise at all. I never doubted that, uh, um, this film would be good. Uh, I didn't know I'd love it. I didn't know I would love it and then be like, I'm going to see all of these now. And it like, it's like, I can understand why people wouldn't like Mitsuguchi films. Yeah. They are austere and uh, like attacks. They're haunted and haunting. Uh, Whereas this is everyone is so nice. (laughs) It's just like it passes almost the first test of good cinema, which is uh, it is better than no, it's not. It passes the first test of all great (laughs) cinema, which is that you like spending time with the characters and and immediately. So, Um, so when I say, as I normally do, Finn, I can't think of a single, we both agree. This is a great film. I can't think of a single person who wouldn't like it. I genuinely mean it. Every other time, I am yes. mostly setting up something, but this time, what? What, Finn, what is it? Be honest with me, Finn.
1: Oh, well. Well, y- y- you, 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 You. you <laughs> well, you, you obviously... You obviously haven't met Letterboxd user mm-hmm. Kobe Rules. Yeah, oh, like sorry, no. Good. Yeah, um, Co- Co- Kobe Rules. I, uh, I, I think they're like images um, of basketball with a K on it. So I think they're big fans of Kobe Bryant. Yeah.
0: I I feel like Pather Panchali's basic do, 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 humanity. Do you want to guess what, uh, uh, guess, guess what rating a uh, Co- Kobe Rules gave Pather Three stars. Oh no! Did he drop a basketball on his head? Uh, he that
1: gave really. They wouldn't really. Uh, it that one would half of a star.
0: Two and a half stars out of your brain.
1: No, but uh, let's let's uh, let let's 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 see what Kobe rules. I'm very sure they have.
0: Anyway, sorry.
1: I've never previously seen a work in any way related to neorealism, at least to my knowledge, and the entire movement has always seemed odd to me. The idea of stripping away everything that makes film interesting seems like it would make for a pretty dull viewing experience. And, dot dot dot, it does! This movie is two hours long, and absolutely nothing happens for 99% of it. And what little does happen doesn't happen in any sort of narrative flow. We just sort of Hang out with a poor family in Bengal for a while. There are some moments, sure, that pack a real emotional punch, but it's lessened by the fact that you're exhausted from trying to force your attention to remain on the screen. Half a star.
0: Yeah. um, The fact that he was still like, yeah, there were some really touching bits, half a star, speaks to the fact that this is less a review than an indictment of how, like, social media, MTV... 1977 Mm -hmm. accelerated media. It's great. It's fun, but um, followed 24 hour news, then the internet, then internet 2.0, then social media, then on our phones, training us. The world has given everyone ADHD. And that is all I learned from that quote unquote review.
1: Uh, I'm now looking at other movies that Kobe rules has read half a star. Uh, it looks like half a star is the most common rating for movies. Yeah, and
0: just screaming out for amphetamine, this guy.
1: Oh, oh, oh sorry. Uh, the most common rating is two and a half stars. They've given 273 movies that. Uh,
2: They've 273 movies two said, and a half stars okay, and
1: 266 movies half a star. Other half star movies, according to Kobe rules, include all three Lord of the Rings movies, Picket Hanging Rock, The Long Goodbye, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Wolf Nail and I, Suspiria 2018, Anomalisa, Playtime, Blazing Saddles, Calling by Your Name, Big Trouble in Little China.
0: Have you organized this list by putting it against my ratings? Is
1: that uh, specifically what you were doing? Yeah, now? I was talking by my rating, highest first. And now uh, now, now looking at uh, yeah, uh, um, uh, highest uh, uh, average rating, highest first. Uh, I also gave half a star to Whiplash. The Red Shoes, La Dolce Vita, Wings of Desire, Amadeus, The Last Waltz, uh, <laughs> uh okay, yeah.
0: Kobe rules. All that heaven allows. I hope you're doing okay. And the fucking Douglas to-
1: Cirque movie? Jesus.
0: I, I gotta tell you, Kobe rules. If one of your friends has linked you to this podcast, I genuinely want to say to you, the, the constant buzzing in your head, the inability to hold a single thought, is an illness and can be controlled. I've gone through the journey myself, and I think you will be able to revisit. You know, I, t- I time my ADHD medication for right before paying to really take in this uh, exquisite magnum opus of a film could be available to you. So, Kobe, I hope I hope you don't bounce on on this adventure uh,
1: so would you, would you like to guess uh, their top four films
0: um yeah uh knowing this guy um I'm sure that they love Scarfie's so uh, written by the sponsor of the podcast duncan Saki so
1: Kobe rules has only rated six movies five stars and four of them are their top four okay uh,
0: can I guess the other two and we'll see yeah, Let's yeah. see how we go
1: Okay, uh, the first one uh, is a movie, it's a supernatural movie, uh, but the most famous scene involves someone uh, eating a pastry. A
0: sweet or savoury pastry?
1: Uh, I don't know, because it's a movie by an American, and uh, their conception of uh, how this thing is supposed to be prepared is uh, deranged. Ah. It's a pie.
0: And what genre did you say it was?
1: It's a, like, supernatural uh, drama.
0: All well, I can think is American. Oh, it's ghost story. Yeah, it is a ghost story. Yeah, 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 yeah. story.
1: No,
0: nah, that's sweet. Oh, okay. Because it's another. like
1: or? a cherry pie or an apple pie or something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it was the, vegan
0: because Rooney Maher is, is vegan. Uh, yeah, there's a 10-minute long scene, just yeah. Rooney Maher eating a pie. Uh,
1: the second film David is- Lowry,
0: shout out. Man, who have you ever seen what David Lowry looks uh, like? Possibly, he looks like Max Payne in Max Payne <laughs> 3.
1: Okay, cool. I'll look that up uh, right now.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, well, no, yes, I, yeah, I have seen what he looks like <laughs> yeah, before. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And,
0: it's, yeah. and, and to be clear, I like that game and I like that director. <laughs> I mean,
1: he, 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 he kind of has a I mean, he, he he has the exact same beard as uh, he he has the exact same beard as Robert Eggers, which I guess is just like the A twenty four beard. Yeah, uh, it's the law. Uh, so the next film on Kobe Rules's uh, top four uh, was originally in three D.
0: Coraline. No. Avatar.
1: No.
2: Beowulf. Wolf. No.
0: Avatar the last? No,
1: it, it is a movie that you own a three D copy of, I believe.
0: The Day no. of the Doctor, The Doctor mm-hmm. Two. No, no, that no. doesn't exist yet. Um. Oh, okay. Dread. No. What do I oh, Dilemma for Murder. Yes, Dilemma okay, for Murder. There
1: we go. Yeah, starring Rainbow Land and Grace Kelly. I was like, I don't A own... A good movie.
0: I don't own Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning no, on 3D no, you Blu-ray. you don't, sadly. Yet. One day, though. Yeah. No. I just uh, cannot... Like, I
2: genuinely <laughs> hold
0: it. I cannot wait for us to do an episode of this show where we have hired two VR helmets <laughs> yeah. to watch in 3D Universal Soldier Day of <laughs> Reckoning. Um, it will be... <laughs> Maybe a live commentary. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's so Mostly good. just us uh, yeah, going, oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> so you
0: Scott, Scott, you? no. Stop. Yeah, the 3D <laughs> commentary. Yeah, it's a good idea. Good
1: idea, Euthardine. The next film is uh, the feature film debut of Ross Bergdosserian. Oh, I hope that's actually not true. He made a film. Okay. Uh, he was in a film yeah. the year before um, this. <laughs>
0: What was the film the he was in the year before this?
1: Uh, it was called uh, Destination Gobi. And it was okay. about the Gobi Desert, directed by Robert Wise, who did the sound of music okay. and West Side Story. I, oh, and I, Star Trek for motion picture. I, I have
0: to, I have to admit that I am weak and may need another clue.
1: Do you remember that episode we did where I talked uh, a lot about Ross Bagdasarian, the guy who created yeah, I do, Elvin and the I Chipmunks? Do remember
0: that? I don't remember. Yeah, th- which film were we talking that? about? Is it Alvin and the Chipmunks? No then i don't i don't remember i'm sorry i re, i treasure our rear window <laughs> episode i cannot i cannot recall it straight to the front of my mind i mean it's
1: it's, it's rear window
0: yeah oh it is real i thought it said directed no no oh, i uh, think i was sorry like, no that's almost entirely me um being
1: misunderstanding. Yeah. um the fourth film is a movie about getting your girlfriend killed and then feeling bad about it.
0: The born Supremacy?
1: Uh, no.
0: <laughs> that was the first draft, um, I think. Uh, uh,
1: decade. Uh, uh, the decade is 2000s.
0: Okay. Uh, oh, is it good?
2: Yeah.
1: Uh
0: oh, how good? Real good. Okay, our um, uh, inception.
1: Uh, no, okay. that's from the two thousand tens. That's not getting your wife killed.
0: Yeah, wives, girlfriends—they're all the same as long as they don't meet. Am I right?
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, it, it
1: is. It is named after a location.
2: Oh. New York,
0: New York.
1: It is named after the location where Werner Herzog saved Joaquin Phoenix from from an overturned car in real life.
2: <laughs> ah, ah!
0: It's Lost Highway.
2: <laughs> Not
0: close. It's Mulholland Drive. It's Mulholland
1: Drive. Yeah.
0: What a film. Yeah. Enjoyed that. <laughs> Do you know who are a meme hungry people?
1: I'm I'm trying to think of an answer that isn't just a specific race, which I'm pretty sure is not what you're going to say. <laughs> I'm just like d- uh, d- no. D- d- no
0: no no no, no to like break who? the bat no, <laughs> no, no 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 is, it,
1: is, is, is there some stereotype but but like uh, like Italians love memes or something? <laughs> Gen Z. Oh, right. <laughs> like, I was like, Armenians? <laughs> Who's he talking about?
0: Gen Z loves memes. Yeah, sure. They,
1: I mean, as, as a representative of Gen Z. Whoa, so yeah. you
0: admit it. Yeah. You admit your. You are a member of Generation Z.
1: Yeah, it's a thing that I I, I enjoy. Uh, yeah. uh, I, I enjoy telling my. I, I enjoy reminding my uh, some of my some of my millennial friends uh, occasionally that that I'm uh, the, that I'm uh, Gen Z, and uh, I'll, I'll, often they they just start uh, shouting at me, just furious that I'm uh, two years younger than them and a, a member of a different generation, technically.
0: Well, guess what? What? Your openness on that point has today spelt your doom. <laughs> oh no,
2: because not Cinderella my doom.
0: Twenty twenty one is a film made by question mark and incorrect for, exclamation mark Generation Z. It's got all the things you love, James Corden, and <laughs> yeah. you are a member of that generation. You, thus,
2: yep.
0: I'm using a logic diagram here, yeah. thus, you like that film. It's impossible. It is impossible for you to have another opinion on it. Oh. I've caught you now. And
1: It really seems like you got me. Um, yeah, It's too bad that comedian and former philosophy tutor Ray O'Leary is not on this episode. He'd really be able to uh, tell you if you got your syllogisms right.
0: Yeah. But he's not. Here. <laughs> he's
1: not. So I just, I just have to accept on face value the 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 validity of, of of your of your arguments.
0: This is a lot of emotion for someone just simply being caught in a lie. You know, most yeah, people well, would just, you know, um, be cool with it and apologize. But promise. you're doubling down in a way that I think is quite toxic. Yeah, that's the kind of word they'd say in Cinderella. Uh, yeah.
1: Uh, It would also be a joke if they used the song Toxic by Britney Spears in the movie which I'm surprised they didn't.
0: Um, I mean, Perfect 3 had already got bags Uh, on it and songs can only be in one
1: movie. It would be uh, totally unlike the film Cinderella 2021 uh, to use a song that had already been used in another movie.
0: I know what Mm -hmm. you're doing. You're distracting (laughs) from the point that I caught you out and thus (laughs)
2: what <laughs> was that
0: noise? Clicking noise.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, that's my Air, that's my AirPods that's, case uh, closing.
0: Oh, uh, okay. Because it also, maybe like you are opening a knife.
1: <laughs> no, but that, that, that that sounds uh, more like this. All right, so so it's my Swiss Army knife. You got you got this like shorter blade coming out of this side, the long blade coming out of this side. I mean, what you do is you you, you, you put a corkscrew up. You put that between you put that in there. And then you can you can punch with a corkscrew and then you've got the knives coming out the side. It's a it's the perfect uh, self defense weapon.
0: I just all I see looking at that is you immediately like you're you're in a scrap. You're walking down Ponsonby Road. It's late at night, it's late for Ponsonby, seven, six maybe. And, Yeah, then these uh, horrifying like middle-aged tattooed (laughs) men with 19-year-olds' haircuts come up to you, and uh, it's wartime. (laughs) 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 And and they start shoving you. They form the classic fighting circle. They're going to fight you one by one, and you immediately go to your pocket for your Swiss army knife. And then just with an instance, you're gashing yourself trying to set up that weapon there. <laughs> like,
1: Yeah, I I, 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 think, I, think what I've got to do is I've, I've just got to grow my th- – I've got to stop biting my fingernails for, like, three weeks. I mean, yeah. I think I'll have a much easier time opening that opening that knife. Because what I have to do at the moment is I have to get the, like, pair of the, the pair of tweezers out of the top of the knife. <laughs> and then put that into the, like, <laughs> divots along the side of the other two knives to open them. So then- and that's. You know, that, 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 that's, yeah, it, it takes up too much time. It, uh, it it takes away a lot of the, like, uh, uh, it takes away a lot of the coolness of having, a like, a, a like a knife punch hand if yeah. you have to uh, open up with tweezers first.
0: They come in for you, the circle of punts and be aggressors. Yeah. You double over to get out your knife. The moment they see those tweezers, the moment they understand what's happening, just the yeah. look of horror on their faces. Like is it fear? Is it regret? Is it sadness? And they all turn and look at each other and go like, "Oh no, this guy—he wants to kill bad. I only see <laughs> tweezers in two situations, and I'm not going to the beach tomorrow. So that means this guy—he could take us out. Yeah. Like, do we want to die in Ponsonby? No.
1: Yes, that's where everyone wants to die. No.
0: Do you know where I want to die?
2: Uh, Where?
0: In heaven.
2: You want to
1: die in heaven?
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I get to experience the joys of heaven. I get to preview it. Oh, yeah. And then if I think like being good on earth is worth getting to heaven, I go back and commit a bunch of sins. But if I check out heaven... And it mm-hmm. sucks.
1: Yeah, like this. This place is kind of lame. Yeah,
0: even if it's only yeah. four star, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, um, I will just go back to Earth, and it will be like you know when you save the game in GTA, and you're like, okay, now this is just some me time, and you cheat to get a flamethrower, and you're just firing mm. missiles at cars.
1: Absolutely, you do it all the time.
0: Yeah, that's how. I'm, that's how to. Okay, fun. Mm. <laughs> I understand the fear you're facing right now. It's tough to be caught out. Are we gonna
1: talk about these movies? I'm getting to it. I was so <laughs> like, getting
0: are to you it. sure. I was a minute away, I swear. <laughs> but now so Finn. Yes. Now you. that you wriggle like a worm on my hook, there is only one thing you can to
1: What what's that?
0: You have to explain to me in the form of a plot synopsis why you didn't like Cinderella 2021, and I will rebut you.
1: Oh, uh, cool. Okay, and you then we- do, that, uh, do you want to do that right now?
0: So, Finn. Sure. Yes. From the beginning. Oof. Why is Cinderella 2011 bad?
1: Okay. The first thing i will say that's bad about it is that uh, despite being famous for being a singer, uh, Camilla Cabello is bad at singing. Uh, her voice is uh, uncharismatic, and uh, her voice is so insanely auto-tuned, which, like, I have nothing against auto-tune, like, normally. Right? But like, you uh, find I,
0: it I, uncharismatic.
1: I, I am a, a big fan of Charlie XCX, who, like, is pretty much always auto is, like, using auto-tune as, like, an instrument in, in, in her songs. So I have no, I've no problem with auto-tune necessarily. The way that, that Camila Cabello is auto-tuned in this movie... Makes her voice seem detached from her body, uh, and it also just like does not fit the vaguely medieval uh, setting of, of of the film. And the way that she sings, she like mump- she like uh, uh, like she like kind of mumbles and links all of her words together and doesn't enunciate properly. And so in in her like big like empowerment song, you can't tell what she's singing about uh, because she, she just she just like. Opens her mouth and all of the words come out as one very very long word. Uh, that, that, that's like first thing that like really hit me about it. Uh, I, I and also that song is uh, bad. Which song? This uh, the thing uh, Million to One, I think it's called. What, right. what, what one of the original songs yeah. written for the film?
0: It's mainly a jukebox which- musical. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, the original song in this movie are uh, so fucking bland. Yeah, they have the songs which could be in absolutely any modern Hollywood, like any any hot modern Hollywood musical, and like it, it's a it's type of music that uh, it, it's a it's a type of it's a type of music that I that I refer to as empower pop, like a roar by Katy Perry uh, yeah. or, or like stuff like that, or songs from like The Greatest Showman about how we're all got to stand up for ourselves and be different, all that sort of shit, yeah. and like it it is. There's like totally, there's like totally cynical, calculated attempts at writing empowering pop songs about, you know, about like believing in yourself and shit. I I, I just hate vote. I hate those sorts of songs. I think they're uh, almost always terrible, and I think this is a uh, poor example of that type of music.
0: Uh, um, I want to approach that uh, from two angles. One is uh, I, I agree. There is a real disconnect uh, in this musical between the story and the songs. Yes. Um, and, and I think that disconnect, th- there are there are many times where within one shot, people stop talking and start singing, which means they start lip syncing recorded audio track, which is yep. mixed differently. They're all almost auto-tuned with the exception, I think, of mini drive um, and it's really and like it, it it's no
1: yeah, it, it seems like even it, it seems like even Adina Menzel yeah. is auto-tuned which is like she's an actual proper yeah. fucking singer. Yeah, no
0: no absolutely. Yeah. And it is it is auto-tuning Adina Menzel and Billy Porter, two people mm-hmm. who provably empirically do not need it. Yes. Um it shows that to me it is a, a choice. You you there are many points where the switch into a song is really underlined as a shifting of sonic parameters, like like how how it shifts. There there there's cl- there there are clicks and noises. People bump in and bump out. The game is broken, and that I think uh, is 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 working along the Fremdunst effect lines. I don't think it's as effective, and I don't think it was intentional but what it does is give a really good microcosm of how songs work in musicals. Cause this is, here is why I think this film is good. I think this is a good first musical for people. And and I, the people I am thinking about that I'm happy that they get this film are like six and seven year olds. Um, and, and I'm not, and that is because, they, they'll learn, like, this is a film that teaches you what musicals are for. It, tra- it tra- trains you well to watch them. And it does that through, yeah, what you're talking about, like, inspiration, porn, pop. Um, but that is the language of seven year olds. Like, that is how you communicate them to them emotionally. And as much as we are cynical and old and don't like it because everything sounds like that, using that as a a vehicle for a story is not, I think, prima facie bad.
1: So I I, I would say that like using this sort of fairy tale story uh, uh, and and like pop songs in, in order to uh, in, in order to introduce uh, uh, young children to to musicals. Uh, there, there is already a musical which uh, does uh, that exact thing, and even uses uh, one of the exact same songs, and is a much better film. It's called Ella Enchanted, starring Annie Hathaway and Hugh Dancy.
0: Um, I have not seen Ella Enchanted. Saying someone else has done it better doesn't mean that this.
1: I mean, is bad. sure, but the thing that like really kept on irritating me about this movie is the laziness and obviousness of all the song choices, even down to the scene where the fucking prince sings Somebody Love by Queen, which is literally a scene from Ella, from Ella Enchanted and is, like, really fun and charming in that movie. And here is just not, because all of the songs sound bad. All, all of the arrangements of the songs make them sound like shit. All the singers are either doing a bad job or are so auto-tuned that they are unpleasant to listen to. There is nothing about these songs that is good to listen to. Um,
0: I don't disagree with anything you've just said from a taste perspective, but my response is it's because it's a children's film, and, and it's music for children. And when when they started doing Seven Nation Army, Briar, who was, who was nearby and could hear reacted with anger and revulsion and then muttered. Uh, yeah,
1: that's no, what I also did. Yeah,
0: fuck this kid's bop shit. Here is the <laughs> thing. Uh, uh, as much as this is aesthetically anathema to our tastes, and I'm not, you know, I'm. it's not, I'm not saying it, it is not for us, though. No. This is what music for kids sounds like. And if this film had been doing this being and had these songs mm-hmm. towards uh, uh, an undeconstructed retelling of Cinderella, I would be like, how dare you use seven nation army to, um, to t- talk about how women must only give themselves to love. But like that is cause I'm a 34 year old man. <laughs> And my, my pitch for this whole film, because is that it is a six year old. will see this and be like, Oh music. And it will be a disposable film. They never think of again. But like I, I, uh, but that it ends with uh, a lack of marriage at uh, uh, the beginning of a deconstruction of a Royal family and, and like the removal of royalty overall, it seems doing that in this antiseptically family-friendly package, and it is like
1: except of in the scene where James Corden talks about his talk about like taking a piss out of his front tail. Yeah, but that he's that's, being a separate, a mouse into that's a whole that's a whole human. fucking separate oh.
0: conversation. We'll, um,
1: yeah, we'll, we'll 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 get to that eventually. It is it is it is just that it
0: is like. So do you understand the argument I'm making? I don't think it's good. Sure.
1: And I don't... But I, I think there is an argument which people make a lot, which is why are you criticising this piece of children's media? It's for children. Yeah. But, like, there, there are lots of great pieces of art. There are lots of great songs. There are lots of great movies that, that, are, that are made for children.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I and- am not placing this up there with with them. Yeah. Um, But there are also... But, like, children from what I understand mainly from cartoons in the newspaper, uh, they never sleep and they always want to watch things. And like, so you will like, they won't want to watch my neighbor Totoro and like, that's heartbreaking. You'll, that'll be a really big moment akin to gender grief. Um, and they will want to watch other things. And there is so much what I'm thinking, like, like, I'm not saying this film should, this film is fine. And and that means that, and it is better to be in a world where this exists as the ballpark of the other shit. We shovel down our kids as opposed to like Barbie films. Do you know what I mean?
1: I don't know. I, don't, I know some people who have read like those Barbie films. But, but do you like
0: that is the scale I'm talking about it on. It is like, the,
1: I, I don't, I don't, I don't think this is necessarily better than the Barbie films, which are like, I, I haven't seen. Yeah. But like,
0: but you understand the kind of like, kind of what I mean, right? Like that sure, vibe. Yeah. Like, I think this is good trash uh, um, for kids and, and that it has its heart in the right place. And I think kind of trash that has its heart in the right place and doesn't basically fail is nice to have in the world.
1: I mean, I think it does basically fail. You said it like ends with looking towards the like deconstruction of the monarchy. I don't. I don't think it necessarily does. At the end, it's about like breaking the line of succession, yeah, yeah. so everyone can rule. Throne, or
0: and so that his yeah. younger sister, who is an activist, can take over. Mm. Um,
1: yeah, and- there was a scene in this movie where Cinderella and her evil stepmother and the and the sisters have gone to uh, have like, have have gone to the palace to like see some royal event happening, yeah. and Cinderella can't see, so she like climbs up on a statue to uh, to 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 get a bit of view. It's like a statue of the king's father. And uh, the king is, of course, played by Piers Brosnan. Having a great uh, time. He notices her sitting on the statue, and interrupts the song that's going on by shouting, "Get off my dad!" Which is uh, kind of funny. Then Cinderella does like does a bunch of like Disney quips back at the king, like pointing at the statue, and be like, "Oh, this statue is it? Oh, it's a bit big, big statue. Oh, what are you come saying? Like doing that sort of shit." And She's so irritating in that moment, but it made me sincerely believe in the divine right of kings. Uh,
0: that's a but great I, line.
1: And, and, and I, a great joke. I hated Cinderella so much I became a yes yeah, Good line.
0: Great joke. And and like, yeah, absolutely. It's it's Disney quips. And and my thought in that moment is, oh, they've turned into Aladdin for a scene, uh, as an Aladdin from Aladdin. Yeah. Um, but at least they are doing it because this is Amazon, you know, it's Jeffrey Bezos, Jeffrey Bezos. It was Sony originally. I mean, then Amazon
1: bought it.
0: Sony to Amazon. Like it's, it's, Mm. it's, it's massive. It's, it's soulless. Mm. Yeah. Uh, And it is going to repurpose and spew out Disney like dialogue. And at least they're doing that with uh, uh, a woman whose battle is perpetually like, People keep fucking trying to give me shit to do. I have dreams. I've got shit to do, and, and,
1: and yeah, um, and she she has dreams of making hideous dresses. Um,
0: yeah, I know that, but, but <laughs> that is what. And like, is she irritating in that moment? Yes, but that's because she's acting like the spunky character in a in a movie for children, and that is by definition irritating. But at least the trickster character is a the lead, b a woman, and c um desecrating a king. (laughs) So do I? Do like it's not this film is not edgy, but like the very fact that Billy Porter uh, as 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 the fairy godmother feels like a milk toast patch. He does all the gags you expect. Yeah, Yas, Future yeah. Queen, things like that. Yeah. Um, and oof. But, like, that is Billy Porter playing, like, but Billy Porter playing, like, a drag adjacent character in a film like this that is so middle of the road. He's- and that it's Billy Porter who's, who I fucking love feels like yeah, but
1: like i i I have like no yeah. connection to billy porter he, he is like a guy that like two years ago everyone started talking about and i just have no concept of who he is but like the two things i know billy porter from now uh this and the video from the democratic national convention in 2019 where him and uh, steven stills did a Buffalo Springfield song for Wordsworth. Stop. Hey, what's that sound? Yeah. Uh, and it's like totally bizarre video for, for the DNC. Yeah. Those are the two things I know him from. And I'm, he is a uh, totally baffling to me as a as a cultural yeah, thing. Yeah, he
0: was. He's he, he's been a, uh, a an icon of the stage for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And what I think Pose, which is the Ryan Murphy show that just ended, that he is mm-hmm. on with the incredible character name Prey Tell. um, uh is what i think kind of pushed him broke him through to the next level of cultural yeah. acceptance and i think pose is a good comparison cuz pose is uh a ryan murphy primetime soap opera which is not necessarily a set of bad words but it, it 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 it's trashy. It's based on domestic ideas of, of of found family, and it's all about you know like bizarre character conflict that you don't really buy. But the fact that it is doing essentially Melrose Place, and this again not a, just as a descriptor, except that the core is the ball the 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 the, the ball scene of the eighties and nineties. And it's full, like the top line cast is like 70% trans women playing trans characters is like, is that show good? Uh, yes and no, but it is also nice that at least we live in a world where that's what a primetime soap is. And so it is like, at least we live in a world where the mainstream kids, Cinderella has seven nation army <laughs> in it and, and like Billy Porter and James, a cast and Ramesh Ranganathan and Rob Beckett and Doc Brown rapping three times. Like those are good things. Is it a good film? No, but it's like, I would be, ha- I'm happy that if I ever have a six year old, I can introduce them to Doc Brown and Ramesh Ranganathan with this film. They will have seen a lot of a Castor and, but by that point, I, I think Acaster will transfer very well to like three or four-year-olds. Actually, no, I'm...
1: Yeah, you, you, you're, you're going to put them to bed every night by reading by, by reading a chapter of Perfect Sound,
0: whatever. No, uh, a what Acaster's classic scrapes, that, um, <laughs> Perfect Sound, whatever, is like, you know how some people play, you know, the, 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 the unborn child in the, in the stomach. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, play it. Mozart be, <laughs> like Mozart, you know, yeah. I'll be playing perfect sound whatever in Last Chance to See yeah. by Douglas Adams, um, <laughs> just to brainwash my child very early. Um, so, do you, like do you understand that as a pitch for this film?
2: Uh,
1: sure, but like
0: I like I also have to say, you like a while that. ago changed your background picture, a picture behind you to mm-hmm. the aunt. <laughs> from Panther Pan Charlie, um, a, a medium,
1: and it just looks like she's like peering yeah, off no, my shoulder in, in, in a way that <laughs> yeah.
0: really triggers it in my peripheral vision. <laughs> not- it is genuine. <laughs> yeah. anyway.
1: It's very, it's very noticeable. I keep getting caught on it as well. Yeah, so it's very. I mostly try to avoid watching children's yeah. media because I think that uh, far too many adults these days only watch yeah. children's media and make that their personality. Yeah. And I I think it's best to avoid that. Say my name. Say my
0: fucking name. If you're going to at me like (laughs) that, if you're going to do a sub tweet this specific, I'm
1: I'm, I'm very, I'm I'm just going to say, I'm, I'm very sorry to everyone in the flop house, Facebook group. Grow up. You're all like 50, but there are lots of things that are like made primarily for kids that I think are really good. and, I fully get your, your like thing. Can can I
0: make a pedantic distinction? Um, Can you give me a couple of examples? And I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm trying to make a distinction rather than disagree with you on this precise point. Can you give me a couple of examples of like the kids media that you like?
1: Obviously like the films of Hayao Miyazaki, but also like one of the only movies to like, to, to make me cry, in the last decade, was uh, was the Pixar movie Coco
0: the singing at the yeah. end? Yeah,
1: like yeah, yeah uh, like I think that's incredible. I think it's like such a beautiful movie. Like did you that, put the
0: Paddingtons up? Yes, there? no,
1: absolutely. But, but both yeah. the Paddingtons, I love the Jim Henson stuff, like Labyrinth or Dark Crystal. Oh, fucking great, great children's media. Absolutely, uh, I, I really enjoyed Toy Story Four back when that came out. I
0: uh, now the thing that I think unites all of these. Um, is that I don't think they're children's films. Um, I think they are family films, and that's the distinction I want to make. Because there is there are like Pixar, Pixar and Ghibli kind of being the gold stars for this, or at least pick at least formally. Yeah. Um, which is that they are works that everyone can enjoy. Paddington is another like there's like the the fact that Paddington is about. Accepting refugees, <laughs> but also like flooding a bathroom. Yeah, yeah, You know, whereas there there is content that is just for kids, which is which is like which I know you know exists, yeah. and I think like the the difference being like the thing you put on to distract your kid versus the thing you watch with your kid, um, and I think this. I think Cinderella 2021 is is yeah it it has no expectation of adults. Mm. It does not account for them that's why it is irritating um and annoying but that's because it is playing for its audience which I don't think has adults in it. Do you understand that as a distinction I am making? Uh,
1: yeah, I guess. Although I, I think, like, I would say, it seems like a lot of this is like kind of pitched to adults, or at least pitched to the adults who uh, watch a lot of children's movies—the like super on the nose girl boss feminism stuff, which is like the hallmark of Kay Cannon's career. Be- yeah, but
0: I think that is here. Uh, yeah, it is. It is incredibly. Like hashtag girl boss hashtag you know live laugh love. Yeah. I mean, it's it, is, li- it is white women's Instagram. Yeah, it is
1: literally written and directed by the woman who who created the show Girl Boss.
0: Yeah, but the key thing, she was not the girl boss.
1: Though. No, but, but she wrote and directed that show. Oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But I think this is the bit, be- and and I agree with you. I'm not I'm not a canon defender. You know, I'm a loose canon. Yeah.
1: Like, after this movie, I had a lot of uh, very harsh uh, opinions about K-Cannon, but also uh, I really like Blockers. I think Blockers is a uh, really, really fun movie, a a very, very solid studio comedy.
0: Yeah, um, I I will one day watch that Mm. film Um, because I've heard nothing, but, like, it's quite good things about it. And that feminism is so hacked to us. We're so used to seeing um, people get hungry for internet clout, so inventing the same tweet as everyone else. About um, how about how women's clothes should have pockets. Yeah, or, or about how um,
1: uh, every whole woman's boyfriend is just some guy. It's a, it's a yes, classic one. And,
0: and I agree. Those are boring. But that's also because we have been raised in a world that focuses on having to educate people as adults about those things. Uh, so much of the pain of modern living uh, is the fact that we are at a time uh, of a great expansion of knowledge and empathy. The, that we can sit here as two white men and uh, be right about everything. Um, and, but also understand how much violence and pain has been done in our name. And that has to happen as adults. The reason why I think that go- the, the good thing annoys me because we're so, it feels like you're being pandered. To. Yeah. But when you, but when you're like, no, this is for six year olds this is like six-year-olds previous experience of this story before seeing this film will be it being read to them by their parents. And so now this film comes along and is like, Hey, let's have some fun with that story. Your parent that boring old story, your parents keep telling you. And then using that to tell six-year-old girls that they can have their own life. Um, and that they can, that it's most important to follow your dreams, even if it is, designing ugly dresses. Um, I think this is the right market to be like lean on, lean in boss, bitch, feminism, finally trickling down <laughs> to kids. Entertainment is, is a victory to me as much as yeah, absolutely. It's so irritating. Like, Oh my God, calm down. Like, like we know, but the thing is we know it's audience. Doesn't John St- you know, no. But fuck, it's so a Um, Like, sh- Jesus, calm down. Yeah. Um, and I yeah, and that's what I think with the meta jokes. I I, th- I think the reason the meta jokes are so like, oh, it's like always in a fairy tale, is that they are meta jokes for six-year-olds. Uh, so I've convinced uh, you, no. is what I'm seeing on your face. Uh, no, yeah, you're... Yeah, incorrect. yeah, no. There's a single tear rolling down. It's the ecstasy of... New knowledge. Okay, so let's let's talk about James mind. Corden
1: in this film. Uh, yeah, okay. J- James executive Corden executive producer. Yeah, no, James no, no, Corden. no, 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 not executive producer. Producer. This, this this film was according to Cannon, his idea. He 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 pitched to this film. In, in, the, in the credits are after the cast, the like first producer credits is yeah. like someone else, James Corden. Yeah. They get like first producer card billing.
0: Okay, fan. Yeah. I've just done some hacking. Oh. Uh, and, and I have got audio here of James Corden pitching this to to Sony. Oh, okay. I would, I'd um,
1: love I'll, to hear that.
0: I'll just play that
2: for you now. Um, hi, hi there, it's James. James, James Corden. How are you guys doing over there at Sony? Sorry, you can't I hear you there. How you doing over there at Sony? Hey, you. I think I've only got
1: uh, James half the phone call. Just um, do what I'm best at, James Corden. That's me, monologue.
3: So, um, um, obviously everyone knows the story of Cinderella, and I think it would be great to uh, make a film in which I am so clearly outmatched on every front by every other member of the cast that it becomes immediately apparent. Um, that my career and talent is a void. And now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, James, you were the co-writer of Gavin and Stacey. That's a legitimately good show. Well, let me tell you this. Now me, James Gordon, that was all Ruth Jones. It's like it's my co-writer on that. Like, obviously, it was. And I've just had this desperate need since I was shot to start him as, like, a 19-year-old to stay in the limelight. And it's really destroying me. Um, And so I've decided that I want to put out a film where um, (coughs) I'm in a comic trio and we get two of the most unique, impressive comic voices of this half of the century. Um, And uh, let's say, Ramesh Ranganathan and James A. Castor. And even when we're doing like yabba lines as the three mice, let's fucking
2: get it. We're the three mice. Mm. Whoever the fuck that they are so clearly better than me, even in that scenario, that everyone watching has no. even, I don't, look, I
3: know guys, Sony, you don't need, I don't know why people like me. I
1: don't, I don't know the thing in the car. And and that's where the call cuts off. Crazy. (laughs) Just ends there. So, uh, the thing about James Corden in this movie is he's very bad in it, obviously, but he, yeah, he does yeah, have a, yeah. my favourite joke in the movie, which is that when they're in the carriage, we are speeding away from the ball, and James and James and Romesh are all turning back from footmen into mice. Uh, first James Acaster, he, like, poofs back into a, into a mouse, and then the second to go is James Corden, and his, his body turns back into a mouse body first, but his head stays as James Corden's head, and it's just sort of hanging in the air. And that's not funny, but then he starts screaming, don't look at me, don't look at me. <laughs> which, is, yeah. which is a pretty good gag.
0: It is. It's his one funny bit, yeah. and it's mainly it like every other funny bit he has is because either James A. Kester or Ramesh Ranganathan are looking at him with barely disguised annoyance.
1: Yeah. Um, there, they a good- There's a uh, pretty funny joke where they're all hanging out by the carriage outside the ball, uh, and uh, because they've just been turned into humans, they're like having fun discovering uh, what, what human bodies are, there is a great shot of Ramesh uh, just sitting in the carriage, just like clapping his hands over and over again and saying, yes. have you guys seen this? Have you, have you seen yeah. this?
0: And then there is, there is the joke where James Corden walks into a scene with the other two and is like, I, you, you'll never guess how these guys pee. Yeah. No. Anyway, yeah. It comes out of the front tail, and, and at the time, I was like, "That is a weirdly adult joke." And I was like, "No, that's a pee, and like that's not a dick joke. That's a willy joke. That is a six-year-old's version of a dick joke." Sure. Which and that was like again yeah. it, the 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 thing that sells that joke in the moment is Ramesh Ranganathan and James Acaster, two of the best comedians who've ever lived saying the fr- yeah it comes out of the front tail in time with each other like I, I just I it is just so I feel I began to feel quite embarrassed for Corden on this mm-hmm. on how clearly and knowing that it was his idea no, uh, I, really, I, I really struggle yeah. with
1: that I'm currently looking at James Corden's Wikipedia page and if you go to the like contents the first thing is early life in career. In under career, there are the subheadings. Early career, rise to prominence, work outside Gavin and Stacey, one man, two governors, and other projects, the wrong man's, the late, late show, 2015 to present, and then... Oh,
0: the wrong man's is also and, good.
1: Then uh, after the late, late show, 2015 to present, the next subheading is musical disappointments. <laughs> with the sub-subheadings, cats, the prom, and Cinderella.
0: And, like, the two leads aren't great, but they're not terrible.
1: I... I... I would say they're both terrible. Uh, I think these are performances that both actively hurt the movie. I think the fact that these are both just like hot people who aren't particularly good singers or dancers is like a real strike against the movie. Uh, I I think the
0: singing is cloaked by the auto tune. They can't dance, I agree. Yeah. But I think the performances are Disney Channel performances, and I think they do good jobs at that.
1: Like, the lack of dancing in this movie is something that really fucks me off. I, I I love dancing. It is my favorite thing mm-hmm. about musicals is seeing, is seeing like, it doesn't even have to be incredible dancing, but just good dancing. I just want to see good dancing. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that yeah. has been almost entirely removed from Hollywood musicals at this point. Like it takes ooh, too long. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, cause like you need to train people to do it. Yeah. And, like chore- choreographers, uh, uh, I assume unionized.
0: Well, and, and- a lot of uh, practices in, 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 in high turnaround dance situations like musicals um, yeah. are now illegal under most labor laws to be clear that's not me like I agree there should be more da- yeah. like it it, it it it's heartbreaking that the last great musical dance scene was within Hail Caesar you know like yeah. Hail C- the response to Hail Caesar should be should have been you know should have made a billion dollars and we oh, should live. Mean, absolutely yeah. yeah um but it also should have been like okay so we're just going to make a musical with Channing Tatum now right like we're going to yeah. genuinely just do we'll remake La Ladouche with Channing Tatum and um Cecily Cecily Strong
1: the, like, main sort of dancing that happens in this movie is, uh, it's is, TikTok like, what... dancing. Well, that, but also, like, what, what musicals do these days is you have a bunch of people in the background who are all doing, like, rhythmic posing, yeah, and, and, that, and, that, and that's what you have instead of dancing. But then the, 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 the scene, the scene where, like, really, really bothered me was in the scene where, uh, uh was in the scene where Adina Menzel, as the evil stepmother, uh, is singing the Madonna song Material Girl to her two daughters. Yeah. And like you know, like it's, it's off like an obvious choice for a song. She's evil. She only really cares about money. We'll have a material girl. Yeah. Even though the entire, even though like the thing that drives the main character of a movie is that she wants to be a capitalist and engage in commerce. But what? like whatever. Yeah, it's, a
0: uh, it's a children's film. Sure. sure.
1: But um, <laughs> in the scene, you have Adina Menzel, and you have the two women who are playing the evil stepsisters, and. They are singing a Madonna song, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Who is known for uh, doing some dances. Madonna does some dances. And so they're singing this Madonna song and the entire number takes place within about a five meter radius and just involves them walking around a washing line.
0: Yeah, and um, doing a lot of posing without moving yeah. their
1: legs—it's TikTok dancing, yeah. as I said. And and, and like it, and and in the background, there is a single hunk who does one flip. And like that, that's 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 yeah. as like creative as the choreography gets in this movie. It is. Yeah, it's, it is it's, so. It is so disappointing and so just well, boring. It speaks to the
0: overall problem with this film, which is that it's not a film; it's TV. Um, yes. It's clearly made on a TV budget and on a TV scale. Um, most of their money going towards being in England, I presume. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, it just doesn't, I I really like, yeah, the dancing is really disappointing. I think that is I, largely because you would have to add a for each big dance sequence. You add to need you need to add days to the, yeah. to the filming schedule. Um, what I liked, uh, in I in Adina Menzel is that both Adina Menzel as the the Queen um as the evil stepmother and Piers Brosnan who is having yeah Hugh Grant and Paddington huh time um is that they and many Driver is the as Piers Brosnan's wife, the queen, all clearly get one scene each, which is like they explain their backstory. Yeah. And that all of these are actually quite complicated thing like they're complicated for a kid's movie. So it is like Idina Menzel as the evil stepmother talks about how she once had this great dream of being a pianist, but the world doesn't work like that. It's been ground out of her cause she's a woman. She has, she, she has only right to be married. Um, and, and then she flips that and, and then she's like, I have accepted that and now I'm going to force it on you. Which is like fucking one oh one character psychology. Yeah. But within and then,
1: and then in the next scene she goes upstairs and plays the piano that she still has in her house.
0: Yeah, and like that is a moment of narrative ambiguity because it the game that scene seems to be playing. is, it, are you like, Are you gonna fucking redeem the evil stepmom? Is that what's yeah. gonna happen in the scene? But it's like, no, no, no. It is just making sure that the kids who are watching understand the like complexifying it a bit. And like the, the mini driver's moment is being like, I've given so much up for you. You've given, you know, Mm -hmm. And, and the, the, the Bron Holmes bit is talking about like expectation and responsibility and like in very broad terms, but I'm like, and like as character moments in a film for adults, pathetic but like surprisingly nuanced for six to eight year olds is the, the, the measured praise. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, and yeah, and Billy Porter shows up for two scenes. They had him for a day. It's great fun. Um, and he does, you know, they asked RuPaul first and RuPaul said, no, <laughs> you know, like it's yeah. just, it's just doing that there. Are, um, but again, within the sense of like, yeah, it's a milk toast choice, but at least we're at a point where that's the milk toast choice. Are there any other bits you want to talk about, Finn?
1: Oh, let's see. Um...
0: I, oh, I also liked, because this film, yeah, it, it fucks with the story. It messes us up, as you mm. would expect. Uh, and. and- and i was like oh is this just going to be like he has to you know he has to make some compromise to keep her but no it makes it a dual protagonist story it's not just about cinderella it is about the prince as well and that they both need to change over the film to be the right people for each other and and, and that she needs to become you know self-realized Um, and he needs to, too. And his self-realization is giving up power and her self-realization is knowing what she would give up for her dream, which is nothing. Yeah. And I think that is like, if that is going to infect a six, seven, eight year old is an idea of what romance is. That's a lot better than most other like, Prince narratives I love the fact that they're clearly I don't what, think what about, chemist- what
1: about the narrative of Purple Rain it's a pretty okay. good Prince narrative
0: <laughs> Under the Cherry Moon um that's it's, yeah. that's a
1: f- okay one
0: by my memory yeah. there is a box
1: set at JB Hi-Fi of a Blu-ray box set of Purple Rain Under the Cherry Moon and Graffiti Bridge and as soon as lockdown's over I'm going uh-huh. to JB Hi-Fi and buying this. okay because <laughs> I, I saw cool. Purple Rain like a month ago and that movie rules.
0: Yeah. And it is his best the, film.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm well aware that's going like, to be the case. Oh, but, but I, like it just. Yeah.
0: It's really anyway. Yeah, no,
1: no, I I am. Yeah. I am so aware of that, but I, I do also want to see the other. Yeah.
0: They're nice curios, you know? Yeah.
1: And, and it would be good to have a copy of Purple Rain to watch anytime I want.
0: But yeah, the, that they both have to have arcs and that. And yeah, again, kind of damning with faint praise, like seeing a love story for kids like this, which really focuses at points on how crazy they both are for each other. And like, there is the sense of, uh, of, of embracing that love is not about possession is it, it is about chemistry. It is about, um, uh, 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 about consent and just being happy with someone mm. in a way that I do not, which was, I remember as being pointedly absent from similar media that I saw at the same age. And I'm sure that just cause I don't watch things for kids, I'm way behind the ball, but it just felt like I just liked that people are getting healthier ideas about relationships out of films like this, you know? Sure, yeah, but out of shape and sound, it's absolutely shite, one hundred. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm absolutely with you. You, so you're also calling it shite. Yeah, but you, but you understand my argument,
1: right? Oh, like, like, like sure. But, you but, don't like, buy
0: it, but you get my thinking.
1: Yeah, like, but yeah, like, yeah. I, 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 I get what you're getting at, but also this movie is like the most times this year that I've had to pause a movie while watching it and shout fuck you at TV.
0: Yeah but that's because you are an adult with very specific taste and you've connected a lot of your identity to your taste and that you sometimes it's okay to step outside of yourself and just engage with something on its own terms rather than its relationship to you. That's what I said to Brian. And yeah. she was like, they can't play seven nation army. I was like, yeah, no, it, I think it's cool. that six year olds will hear seven nation army, you know? Uh, and then she said, I'm leaving you. And yeah. then I immediately started crying. And Good. so she stayed with me. They were just normally, <laughs> normally, works. That normally goes. Yeah. Yeah. I go tears streaming down my face. Yeah. Neck swollen. Okay, Finn Yeah Finn, 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 Finn Yes Finn, Finn, Finn I think we both agree Uh, This is a maybe one star, two star film
1: Oh yeah, one star Yeah, correct
0: Uh, I think we are the only people that would rate it even above half a star (laughs) To confirm that I'm just going to mm. do a quick... Finn, no, don't drink that no. coffee. You're about to spit it out. I found oh, no, 5
1: it's actually, it's actually a pen. I was going to drink some ink.
0: No, oh, no, I thought you were vaping caffeine. Winter Cactus on on letterboxed.com. Mm. social media platform, has given Cinderella five stars. <clears throat> and this is, I think, the perfect five-star review for it. Do you wish to hear it? Yes, you've got no sure. choice. Sure, yeah, let's do it unnecessary hate for this movie <laughs> i think at this point people just like to hate things because it's popular sure the music is not too great the dialogue falls flat sometimes but the mm. movie doesn't take itself too seriously and it genuinely has some fun moments and a pretty unconventional ending and i will admit the rap announcements by doc brown are so enjoyable to watch Like, i think that underlines all the positives and negatives there are some funny bits and the three times Doc Brown is the rapping town crier and he's so fucking good it's just great fun yeah, just, so who
1: who's who is that guy uh, he's a british
0: uh, rapper and comedian he is one okay. of the many taskmaster contestants who appear in this film right um but yeah no he he he's really good he, and he's like, he's like a properly good rapper and he's doing properly good rapping and just, it's just for kids. And it is just, yeah.
1: uh, there was, was like an almost funny bit about how he's, about how uh, he's been U-Town Cryer because the last guy like shed himself to death or something.
0: Yeah, no. He's got it's, oh God, dysentery. Yeah, no, it's. Yeah, it's, 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 all, it's almost funny. And it is, and like that bit. Yeah, the town, the the town crier, Doc Brown is the rep in town crier, is my clear highlight of the film. It's the bit I would call good to my taste. Like, I, and I think some Pierce Brosnan does some ridiculous ham that I sincerely enjoy. Wow. And like, there's a lot of camp that I enjoy in a catch way. But yeah, Doc yeah, Brown yeah, I, is legit I, good.
1: I saw your tweet about Pierce Brosnan's performance and how much you, how much you enjoy that. And, uh, I, I was not into that performance at all until like the last six minutes, maybe that's when it kind of started to seem like he was having fun with it. But but like e- even then, like it, it's, it's, it's nowhere near as like as fun as, as the performance he's giving in Mahomia too. Oh, which, which is like an incredible performance compared to this.
0: Yeah. But he's been Hugh Laurie in Blackadder too like it's a different he is playing an ignorant it is it's it is Piers Brosnan's take on an ignorant um self-important fop mm. and i i think and i think he throws himself into it and it's great fun um but for kids you know mm. like it's 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 john Lithgow as lord farquad shrek is another big comparison you can make to this film shrek uh, is this yeah. film if it was made for a family as opposed to children that's is my, anyway, that's my, that's a yeah. distinction. That's a way to underline Shrek. my semantics. Another way.
1: bad movie.
0: We can't say. I remember loving it and I've, I've watched it recently and I don't like it, but we are no longer the people, you know? No. Am I, are you annoyed at me for being too even handed?
2: Uh, uh, who can tell?
1: Okay. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so let's say like one more sentence. Hello. Okay, now Now I'm annoyed.
0: <laughs> okay, do you want to guess Winter Cactus's <laughs> top four sure films? Okay, one is uh, uh, in multiple aspect ratios.
1: Those uh, 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 aspect ratios are uh, IMAX and normal? No, no, no. More, and it's okay. more than that. It's ostentatious yeah. about it. Uh, I
0: mean. Not that IMAX uh, isn't ostentatious.
1: Is it from like the last couple of years? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, this decade. Is it? I'm thinking of ending things. Oh
0: no no no! I'm thinking of ending things as all in one ratio. Is that,
1: um, is it? Is it a film we covered in, in the in the Striking Sound Striking Showdown last year?
0: No no no! It is. It's, oh, okay. Sorry. It is. I. Th- I mean, it is within the last decade, isn't it? It is within the oh, last, within the 10, last years, ten years, not in right. the current decade. that was, Right. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, uh, I'll give you some cast. Yeah. Uh Leah Sedu, Tom Wilkinson.
1: Oh, okay. Is it? Uh, uh, is 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 it a Spectre?
0: No. Um. Harvey Keitel. What's, what's he ever... Oh. Owen Wilson. Fisher Stevens, Bob Balaban, Wallace Wolodarski. It's a Wes
1: Anderson movie. Dang. Uh, oh yeah, it's uh, what's speak, his, his best movie? Uh, Grandpa the Best Hotel.
0: Yeah, I mean his best movie is Royal Tenenbaums. But anyway, Ro- Ro- uh.
1: Royal Tenenbaums is also very good. Uh, I, I, i think, oh, yeah, I think he, he has of films of all of Wes Anderson's films. Royal Tenenbaums does have the best a dog fighting joke. <laughs> 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 that fucking. That fucking. But mm, when yeah. it cuts to the dog fighting, is one of the funniest yeah. jokes I've ever seen. The,
0: uh, <laughs> the one the one desperate backpedal I wanted Ugh. to make is that uh, I think Hotel Chevalier is sexist and Dashi Ling Limited is racist, but neither. Are, but that. <laughs> but they are also good but they are anyway. The next <laughs> yeah, one yeah. is an animated film released last decade in the la, in, in the last 10 years. In the last 10 years. Uh, um, it, it, uh, it's not a Disney. It's not a Ghibli. It's, okay. it's, it's somewhat off the beaten path. Uh, um, Rooney Mara is in the cast. Ralph oh, okay. Rafe Fiennes, Matthew oh. McConaughey, um, I could give you a lot of uh, Shelley's Theron, on at Parkinson. It's just, you won't really know the cast of this. Like, yeah. you won't know this film by its cast. Uh, um, it, I think it sounds, it sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, it, it is, Ooh, was it? It's American. Um, what else can you, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's got a title about a, a guy, a man and his tools. um, it's got a monkey.
1: Bob the Builder?
0: <laughs> I mean, you're in the right style of animation.
1: It's claymation? Well, yeah, stop motion, yeah. Is it an Admin? No. No, okay. Uh, it's the other one. It's the other one? Oh, it's, uh, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's not Kubo. It is, it is Kubo. Oh, it, it is Kubo, okay.
0: Kubo is like it, the other one.
1: Right, yeah, yeah. No, I yeah. I, I, I knew it was like it. Yeah, couldn't figure out which one it was. Okay, Kubo, right
0: uh the next one is uh, uh robin williams drama uh you know, the serious Robin williams
1: yeah uh uh what 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 decade
0: oh eighties late
1: eighties though late eighties
0: it's kind of like the defining uh, is
1: like, it, yeah is it um uh, is, it, uh, uh, is it is it dead poet society
0: yeah yeah. Ethan Hawke's Dead Poet Society uh, yeah. And
1: the last Th- one. That's that, that, that's one. that I always kind of feel like I should watch because I because I love Peter Weir.
0: Yes, you should. You should check out Dead Poet Society. Mm. The thing to know about Dead Poet Society is that it's a mainstream drama, so it is yeah. like it's it's all its edges are sanded off. But everyone is doing interesting enough work that like it's worth it. Like right, it's interesting yeah. rather than good. It's not like, um, you know, the comparison in my brain is Lorenzo Zoyle, where you Another know, movie Australian, Australian. Yeah, 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 Australian director yeah. coming to Hollywood to do a drama, yeah. Whereas Weir is is working his themes more than his style into the American right. drama model. Whereas Lorenzo's oil is clearly George Miller going like I'm going to go fucking gonzo on what you think is standard the woods bait, mm-hmm. um. But it is like you could, you look at that film and you understand why half the child cast went on to be stars, right? Yeah. You know, like you watch it and you're like, oh yeah, no, that's that's why people love Ethan Hawke apart from mm. all the other incredible stuff he has also done. Just before we get to the end stuff. Mm. Oh, no, we haven't done that. Anyway, and yeah. the fourth uh, uh, of Winter Caucus's top films, top four films, uh, this is, it's a time travel film.
1: Uh, Primer. Uh,
0: no, I would call this, I don't, I haven't seen this film. I kind of want to. Yeah, cast is either oh, Rachel McAdams.
1: Oh, um, it's it's for like time travel romantic comedy one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can give me the called.
0: director? I, I'll I'll is it, is,
1: is it about Richard Curtis? Yeah, ding ding. Yeah, it's is about it, time. Uh, about time.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. With Don with Donald Gleason. Hey, Finn. Hey, Finn. Finn. Yes. Hey, Finn. Yes. Ah, yeah. yeah.
1: Hey. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Where can people find you online?
1: Uh, Who gives a shit? Uh, You can find the show on Twitter at shitesoundpod, or you can email us at shitesoundpod at gmail.com. Why not check
0: out our website? It's at shiteandsound.com. If you like what I do, uh, follow me on social media. I'm usually at youthalives. Uh, You can sign up for my newsletter at at bit.ly slash youthalives. And I have two other podcasts. One is called The Witching Hours, which is uh, an anthology. And the other is called The Slow Path, where me and my um, partner, Briar, watch Doctor Who. And uh, on a recent episode of which she said, no, no, no more edgy humor. Keep that to your film podcast. <laughs> um, our theme what, song? What,
1: What's the edgy humor you were doing?
0: Um, I can't remember. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: I'll look it up and tell you. Um, <laughs> our theme song is The Nux.
1: By Kazan Blam. You can check them out on Bandcamp.
0: If you like the show. Give us a like on the Apple Podcast Leave us a review. Tell your friends. That'd be really good. Yeah, why not? Movies are good.
1: Even bad ones. Go Go watch watch them. them. (laughs) I'm going to go Oh, I found a, found a pretty good uh, half star review here, which I'm not going to do because there's one of them that says, Wait a minute, nobody breaks out into spontaneous song and dance? I thought this was an Indian movie. Good, good stuff.
0: Yeah, like, but dude, like, yeah, like, the thing is about that review is that it absolutely 100% what nails the most important thing about <laughs> Paper Pink, <Paul Darlene. laughs> it is yeah. like that that guy uh is being racist and inventing the parallel cinema movement as a theory at the uh, same yeah. time
1: oh and uh, reservoir dogs in the top four.